This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. beloved welcome to another chapter of the book of sean it's good to see you thank you for tuning in and being a part of my favorite part of the week when we get to do end of the week shows they're great shows we just get to talk and talk about everything that's going on in the world there's a lot going on in the world people and i gotta we gonna cover everything from brett kavanaugh to neo-nazis in massachusetts uh, we got it all for you we gonna laugh a little bit I got some great videos for you tonight when we get to one of my favorite parts of the show one of my favorite segments that we do which is the best things that I've seen all week. There's some great things that I've seen this week. You're going to love it. So let's get to it, people. Let's do the headlines. Play the bumper, highly. So how about we talk about Prince Louis? <laughs> Little Prince Louis. We all know that Prince, Queen Elizabeth celebrated her platinum jubilee uh, over the uh, course of last week and last weekend celebrating her 70 years on the throne. And of course, we send our well wishes and congratulations to Her Majesty the Queen. But her grandson, little Louis, Prince Louis, uh, he stole the show. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Now, see, he looking there all nice and waving, but that's not, that's not all he was doing. <laughs> Apparently, little Prince Louis had a full-fledged temper tantrum. Yes, he did. With his mother during the pageant parade, uh, and he, let us just say, as we would say where I come from, he acted a damn fool. And he did it on national TV in front of the whole world. <laughs> when his mom tried to discipline him, Prince Louis stuck out his, stuck out his tongue. He stuck his tongue out at his mama. And then, and then he thumbed his nose at his mother. Okay? It's reported that Prince William and uh, Duchess Kate are taking a more hands-on approach to parenting. Not just letting, you know, the governesses of the palace raise their kids. And um, let me just say, from what I saw from the video of Prince Louis, they got their hands full, okay? Because that one is something else. It seems like George is pretty cool. And little George and little Charlotte, I think, is the daughter's name. She's pretty cool. But that Prince Louis, that Prince Louis, he's, he's, a, he's a little pistol, okay? If, listen, if you, if you thumbing your nose at your mama and sticking your tongue tied, out at your mom on TV, you got a different kind of spirit. <laughs> but I like this story because and I wanted to bring it to you because it just goes to show you that you can be the king of England, the prince of whatever, the queen of Zamunda, and you still got to deal with your kids, okay? Because your kids don't care if you're the king or the prince or the duchess or the queen or anything else, right? It's just good to know that royal kids and regular kids all have temper tantrums. Right. And if you're a parent, if you're a parent, you know what it is to be out in public and your damn kid have a temper tantrum on you. All right. Every parent knows. Now, every parent don't deal with it the same way. Let me just say that right now. OK, we all deal with that a little differently, but we've all had our kids try it. And I use the word try it because I'm black. <laughs> and when you're black <laughs> and you're raising black kids, all, all they get to do when they have a temper tantrum is try it. They don't get to finish. <laughs> Let's just say if little Louie had grown up in my house, little Prince Louie had grown up in my house and was being raised by Annie Sue Henderson McMillan, he wouldn't have gotten through. He would not have survived that parade. He would have gotten a little, he'd have gotten taken into the back. <laughs> and I'm not going to say what would have happened, okay? You know, I'm not, I'm not going to speculate what my mama would have did. But I'm just saying... Little Louie would have had a close encounter with a few things in the back, all right? He came out feeling a whole lot better and a whole lot more disciplined and willing to participate. <laughs> because as all of us know, there's some things you don't do to a black mother, right? 
If you're black and brown, you know there's some things you don't do to a black or brown mother. And one of the main things you don't do is embarrass them in public. Did your mama tell you, don't you go to that school or don't you embarrass me in that store? Every black and brown mother has said that to their kids. Especially when you went to spend the night somewhere and your mama said, come here, before you go somewhere, come here. Don't you go over those people's house and embarrass, and embarrass me to them people. Can you imagine? Can you imagine being on the national TV in front of the royal parade and you acting the fool? What, what, let me ask you this question. What would your mama have done? Huh? What would your mother have done to you if you was on national TV at the royal parade acting the fool and you stuck your tongue out and gave her the thumb? You thumbed your nose at her. Ah. Listen, people, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm convinced. I'm convinced that if you ever want to see Jesus prematurely embarrass a black mother in public, and you will be in the kingdom before the night is over. And I'm, I'm happy that different parents are parenting their kids in different ways. I'm happy that Will and Kate are choosing a different way to do what they're doing. And while parenting may be different, apparently little Prince Louis shows us that children have remained the same. <laughs> Let's do another one. Let's talk about Massachusetts, people. You guys know that I have an affinity for a little school in Cambridge, Massachusetts. But did you guys know that there's a growing neo-Nazi movement in the state of Massachusetts, particularly in Boston? Check this out. There's, there's a guy there who is the founder of a national social, the National Social Club, which is the New England White Nationalist Collective. Okay? Chris Hood is the founder of this group. He is the founder of this ridiculous group of people who are running through New England trying to lay claim to the fact that New England belongs to white folks. That's what he's doing. And most recently, this group that he's founded, the National Social Socialist Club, or Social Club, um, have decided that they want to increase and give greater attention to delivering racist, anti-Semitic, uh, and bigoted messages. And they've, all, they've gone so far as to have rallies, they've gone so far as to do attacks, they've gone so far as to participate in vandalism. And here's the point, this is happening in New England, okay? Most of the time when you think of Massachusetts and New England and, and Boston, the, the general area, you think of a very liberal place. See, in this country, most of the time when we think of bigotry and racism, we think of the South. We think of Mississippi, Alabama, you know what I'm saying? Louisiana, Texas, Florida. Most of the time we think of we think of states and communities and cities in the South. But this is New England, which is the bastion of progressive liberalism. You know, New York, Connecticut, Massachusetts, New Hampshire, Vermont, right? And we're finding more and more that white nationalism is taking root in the home of progressive liberalism. And it just goes to show you, beloved, that it doesn't matter where you are in America. No place in this country is immune from the vicissitudes and the craziness of bigotry, prejudice, and racism. You can be in the middle of Massachusetts with Harvard and MIT and Tufts and Boston University and Boston College. In fact, someone told me recently, I didn't even know this, that the city sells the most books or buys the most books, rather, is Boston University. I mean, Boston, the city of Boston. Boston is the place where they buy the most books than anywhere else in the country. There are more people reading and buying books in Boston than anywhere else in the country, and yet racism is beginning to grow. A neo-Nazi movement is starting to flourish in Boston. Listen, man, let me tell you something. Those of us who've ever lived in the, in the Massachusetts, New England, Boston area, we can tell you that it's not uncommon for that area to be xenophobic. No, 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 no. Just because you're in the north or the Midwest or because you're in California, they're racist in California. They are racist in Los Angeles. They're racist in Beverly Hills. They're racist in Appalachia. They're racist in New York City, Atlanta, Miami, Miami Beach. You, there's no place you can go to be protected from the craziness of racism, okay? There's literally no place where racism in this country cannot and does not flourish. I was born in New York City. Right. And you think New York, New York City would be a progressive liberal place. But ask people who were born and raised in New York about Bensonhurst in the late 1980s to the 1990s. Bensonhurst. Now, if you're from New York, if I just mentioned the name Bensonhurst and you're from New York, you already know what happened there. 
extreme deadly racism. Because that's America. Racism has nothing to do with where you are, people. It has everything to do with who you are. Because if you're a racist, who you are is going to show up wherever you are. And that's why I just move into a part of the country because you think it won't be racist or it won't be sexist or it won't be homophobic or it won't be transphobic or it won't be this or it won't be that. No, 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 no. I just told you that there are neo-Nazis growing in New England, in Massachusetts, in Boston. And if it can happen in Boston and Massachusetts, it can happen anywhere. So, you know, don't just choose a place. Learn something about the people you'll be living next to, moving next to, and walking with. Because when it's all said and done, it's about who the people happen to be and not where the people or the person happens to live. And if you don't think I'm right, because you think I'm on some fantasy thing right now, go back and watch the Boston Celtic L.A. Laker games from the 80s and the 90s and listen to what the people were saying. And now you will understand that I know exactly what I'm talking about. It can be deadly up there. All right, speaking of bigotry, <laughs> let's talk about the Tampa Tampa Bay Rays, rather. This is a baseball team in Tampa Bay, the Rays. And I'm bringing you this story because some members of their team, five members of their team, refused to wear the LGBT pride logos on their uniform. And they claimed that it had nothing to do with bigotry, but everything to do with religious reasons. So apparently five players from the team, those five guys right there, refused to wear the logos on their jerseys and their caps. In fact, one pitcher, uh, Jason Adams, addressed the situation, saying that the players opted out of wearing the logo, that's Jason, uh, for religious-based reasons, and it had nothing to do with being judgmental. Because, you know, we believe in the Word of God. We're, we're, we, are, we are religious, saved people. We can't wear that LGBTQ stuff on our uniform. Had nothing, we're not judgmental. We're just holy. You know, we walk in the Word. Okay. Whenever I do stories like this, you guys always know what I'm going to say. You, you, want to hear, you ready? I'm going to say it again. You ready? What are the specific religious reasons that you would not wear LGBTQ pride logo on your uniform or, 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 or jersey or, or cap? What are the specific reasons? Give me those reasons, okay? Give me those reasons. Because I know a lot about faith, and I know a lot about the Bible, probably more than most people, okay? And I'm still, I still want to know what are the specific reasons and how are those reasons not judgmental? Okay, because this sounds like rank bigotry to me. Okay, now I'm assuming some of these people who, that we just saw, some of these five people are Christians. Okay, I'm assuming that some of them are Christians. And I want to know what did they say about Christianity? What are you saying to me? All right, let's take a break. We'll, we'll be back right after this. Welcome back, everybody. Listen, had a little technical difficulty. But before we took this break, um, I was telling you about the Tampa Bay Rays. I ain't done with them. And now five of the baseball players refused to wear the LGBTQ pride logo on their jerseys and their hats. And they claimed it was because religious reasons. That's what they said. It's religious reasons. We, uh, you know, no. I want to know what the specific reasons are, because as I mentioned before we took the break, I know a lot about religion, and I know a lot about the Bible, and I don't know what these, what these reasons are, because I'm assuming a lot of these guys are Christians, and I didn't hear Jesus say anything about this subject. You search, you search the New Testament, and Jesus has nothing to say about LGBTQ people, and if Jesus is the leader of the religion, then what, what are these reasons? Oh, I know what you say. But what about Romans chapter 1 and what about Corinthians? You know what Paul has to say. And to which I say to you, Paul ain't the leader of the faith. Paul didn't die on the cross for you. Paul didn't get up out the grave. Paul is not infallible. Paul is not omniscient. Paul is not all-knowing. Are you telling me Paul can't be wrong? Is that what you're trying to tell me? See, sometimes you got to preach Jesus to Paul. you got to remind Paul that he ain't the leader of the faith. Jesus is. He didn't. Jesus had nothing to say about LGBTQ people. So whatever religious reasons you're coming up with, you're getting them from Paul. You're getting them from Romans. You're getting them from Corinthians, or you're getting them from Leviticus. But you ain't getting them from the leader of your faith. So what are these religious reasons? All right. Let me just say this clearly: Paul was not infallible. Paul got a lot of things wrong, people. A lot of things wrong. I got a list. You want to hear one? A few of them, rather. Here's one. Paul said that slaves should be obedient to their masters. Does anybody agree with that? I mean, 
are we going to put lynching logos on our jerseys? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, what do we do? Paul got that wrong. Slaves should not be obedient to their masters. Slaves should rebel against their masters and run from their masters. And if need be, you know, set their master's house on fire. Slaves should not be obedient to their masters, Paul. Here's another one. Paul said that women, that women should be silent in churches. Does anybody agree with that? Does anybody agree with the notion of having a woman come to church and not be able to say anything? Not be able to sing or to preach or to read the scripture or... No, nobody agrees with that. Everybody thinks that that's wrong and crazy. How about this one? Paul says that a woman's body does not belong to her. Does anybody agree with that? No. Her body does belong to her, Paul. She should be able to talk in church and slaves should not be obedient to their masters. Now, if he can get those things wrong and don't act, and don't act like don't act like you all running around telling people, yes, slaves should be obedient to their masters and women should shut up in churches. No, you ain't. If Paul can get that wrong, then he can get what he said in Romans chapter one wrong. He can get Corinthians wrong. And, and not to mention, let me just say one more time. You don't follow Paul. You follow Jesus. He had nothing to say about the issue. So I, I, I don't know any black or brown people who agrees with any of that. But my, my message to the Tampa Bay Rays is don't use the Bible to protect your bigotry. See, you, you don't want to wear the flag because you don't like gay folks. You don't want to wear the flag because you're against people who manifest themselves in the world in the rainbow colors. You, you, that's what you don't like. And you think because you got a scripture, it protects you from moral critique and judgment. But I got news for you. I got some scriptures too. For the son came into the world not to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. That's John 3, 17. Comes after John 3, 16, that verse you should know already. You see, stop playing around with scripture and using scripture to justify your craziness, okay? You guys are bigots. Yes, you are. And you need to stop it. And stop bringing God into your foolishness. God loves all of God's children. And you know how I know it? Because God loves you even while you're hating some of the children that God loves. Y'all ain't ready for me. All right, let's move on. Let's talk about Brett Kavanaugh, people, okay? I thought this story was rather interesting and rather important to talk about. Um, so just the other day, a man was arrested uh, near the home of Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh after he called 911 on himself. <laughs> now, calling 911 on yourself is a, is, a is a whole nother story that we should do one day. But this is serious because the man who was stalking Brett Kavanaugh near his home uh, and called 911 on himself, this man was armed with a gun and a knife and burglary tools. And it is alleged uh, that he has uh, told investigators that he decided to target uh, Brett Kavanaugh because he was angry uh, with the uh, Supreme Court Justice uh, angry that he will overturn Roe versus Wade. And as a response to what he thinks Brett Kavanaugh will do that Brett Kavanaugh hadn't even done yet, and probably will do, this guy right here, you know, who looks normal, <laughs> decided he allegedly decided that he was going to go to Brett Kavanaugh's home and um, put the man's life in jeopardy. Armed with a gun, allegedly a knife, allegedly and tools to break into his house, allegedly. And it just goes to show you that they're crazy people on both sides. You hear me? Not all the crazies are on the right. Although I think there are a lot more crazies on the right than there are on the left. We got some crazies on our side, too. Because remember, this guy who was going to John Rusk is his name. This guy who was going to uh, assassinate Brett Kavanaugh, allegedly, was upset about the overturning of Roe versus Wade. So he's not some conservative nut. He's one of us. He's on our side. Yeah, but crazy. Because crazy don't have a side. You hear what I just said? Because that was good. Crazy don't have a side and crazy don't have a color. Crazy don't have a gender and crazy don't have a sexual orientation. There's crazy everywhere. And we've got to be clear and, 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 and to be focused about rooting out that which is crazy among us so that we don't allow it to flourish and to take over and to do things that this man allegedly was trying and thinking about doing, okay? This is the country that we live in. The country that we live in says that you disagree with somebody, you don't like their politics or their decisions, that you should pick up a gun and a knife and some burglary tools and go to their house. That's the country that we live in. 
I mean, is this really the country that we live in? Where political disagreement has descended all the way down into the potential for violence and the potential for assassination and death. And this is why I constantly say to, say to everybody, you know, that I talk to on this issue, I don't believe that we should be having protests at people's homes. Remember I said that a few weeks ago? And some of you were like, hey, yeah, 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 yeah. This is why, people, this is why, this is why I know I'm right most of the time. <laughs> because stuff like this happens. We know uh, on the left and the right, whether you Black Lives Matter or whether you are whoever, you're the truckers. I did a story on the truckers going to somebody's house. No, we should not be protesting at people's homes because the more we protest at people's homes, the more we put the lives of the people that live in those homes in jeopardy. And not, some of those people don't deserve it because their children or their wives or their husbands who have nothing to do with the politics of the person that we're protesting. They just live there. They just happen to be married to this person. But what would happen if this man would have gotten into Brett Kavanaugh's home and done some unspeakable thing? You know? And of course, the question nowadays is this. How does a man like this get a gun? I, I, I don't know how much this young man is. When, when, when we had his picture up, he looks rather young, right? How, how does a young man like this get a gun? And clearly, we need to have better screenings for people to be able to purchase arms. You follow what I'm saying? We got to have, we got to have, we got to figure this out, okay? Because this, this is what happens, this is what happens when lawmakers refuse to acknowledge the truth that there are too many guns in the wrongs of too, in the hands rather, of too many people who shouldn't have them. You end up with people going to people's homes trying, thinking about assassinating them, allegedly. Now, let me be clear about this. I'm no fan of Brett Kavanaugh. I'm no fan of Brett Kavanaugh at all, on no level. But I don't want to see anything tragic happen to him or happen to his family. I think Brett Kavanaugh is a lying sack of crap. I think he lied to get on the Supreme Court about Roe versus Wade, by the way. But I don't want to see him hurt. I don't want to see him injured. I don't want to see his family decimated. I don't want to see him have to go through anything, you know, that's going to. I don't want, I don't want nothing to happen to the man physically. I'd, it'd be great if he resigned. <laughs> From the, from the Supreme Court. Well, I don't want the man hurt. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I just pray we haven't gotten to the place where, because we have a political disagreement now, it descends into physical violence. That now we're going around killing people we politically disagree with. I just pray that that's not where we are. I pray that that's not where we are. And I pray that we, those of us on the left who are progressive, can control our crazies and speak truth to power and speak truth to the, not truth to power, but truth to them. And those on the right need to learn how to do it to their crazies. So we can't get to the place where we're just going to kill people and hurt people just because we don't agree with what they're doing politically. We talked about Jesus earlier in the last story. So let's bring him up again. He said, those who live by the sword will one day die by the sword. And the powerful thing is he wasn't just talking about individuals. He was also talking about nations. Part of the reason why America has a gun problem is because we live by the sword. And now too many of us are dying by it. All right, let's do another one. Let's talk about San Francisco. San Francisco. So San Francisco, beloved, I'm sure you've heard by now that progressive district attorney uh, Chesa Bowden will not finish his term as the city's top prosecutor in San Francisco. On Wednesday, the progressive prosecutor in San Francisco lost his recall election after voters decided to oust him out of office over issues such as crime and homelessness. Bowden was painted as being soft on crime and someone who doesn't care about public safety or quality of life issues. And so the voters of San Francisco recalled him and successfully he was recalled and he will not be allowed to finish his term. And what's interesting about this is that the, you know, the, form, the now former district attorney of San Francisco has some really good ideas about crime and poverty. It's not that his ideas were not good. It's just that, it's just that they were not timely. So you can have a good idea and it'd be a great idea, but the idea not agree with the time that you're living in. <clears throat> you see, having a good idea is one thing, having a good idea that's timely and that the people can accept and rock and roll with you on is something totally different. And, and it's hard to talk about not defunding the police, not having the police, and not prosecuting people when crime is going through the roof. You follow what I'm saying? 
it's it's hard it's hard to talk it's hard to talk to homeowners about being you know gentle and compassionate and open-minded about homelessness and homeless people when they want homeless people off their corner and off their lawn it's difficult that's what makes politics hard you follow what i'm saying but it just goes to show you <clears throat> that you can go too far republicans can go too far and progressives can go too far and sometimes we just we just go too far we, we just get caught up in good ideas and ideologies and we start proposing things that don't make sense not because they're not good ideas but they don't make sense for the times and the context in which we live and this you know this you know prosecutor you know attorney district attorney Bowden was a good guy with good ideas he, he was just met with a very untimely situation I, I, I have a really good friend of mine who really believes fundamentally, I mean, fundamentally believes that we should abolish the police. He believes that the police should be abolished right away. And every time we have this conversation, I say to him, okay, if we abolish the police and get rid of the police, who are we going to call when your mother is in the street being robbed and raped and you can't get to her? So you, when you tell me who we call then, then I'll go with this abolishing the police thing. And he never has an answer. Because what, 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 cause, cause he, he wants to say, you know, he, he wants to be able to say to call, he wants to call a social worker, but that's not what he wants. That's not, if your mother was being raped and robbed in the street, you ain't calling no social worker. So he can't say that. And he doesn't want to fall into the fallacy of saying, I call the police because he's trying to convince me we should get rid of the police. He doesn't have an answer to it. And I'm not sure I have an answer to it either. Except that I'm not the one running around talking about we don't need police. I think we do need police. And that apparently is what the prosecutor in San Francisco, District Attorney in San Francisco, Attorney Bowden, District Attorney Bowden, figured out that no, people are not done with uh, safety. <laughs> people still want to be safe. People still want to be secure. You know, Martin Luther King used to say to his lieutenants, that we have to stop getting caught up in what he called freedom high. And freedom high is when you have a victory or a success, and now you think that the whole world will buy into your ideas. And so the ideas get more extreme and more radical. And Martin Luther King used to say to his descendants, stop being freedom high. Just because we have a victory here doesn't mean that everybody's going to get on board and do exactly what we need them to do. Here's the point I'm trying to make. The annoying thing about change is that change is incremental. Change is incremental whether we want it to be or not. You know how I know? Because if change were not incremental, Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, and Fannie Lou Hamer, and Marcus Garvey would have changed the world already. And the fact that they didn't do it, and the fact that they couldn't do it in one lifetime, or one weekend, or in one summer, tells me everything I need to know about change. And that is that all of us participate in a great link, a long line of being change agents. And we may never enjoy the change that we fight for, but we fight for it because it is a change and a form of progress that our children deserve. So if you're fighting for change right now and you think it's going to happen in 10 months or in a year or maybe even in your lifetime, there's some things about what you're fighting for you won't live to see. But blessed is the man or the woman who puts flowers, who puts seeds in the ground. Blessed is the man or the woman who puts seeds in the ground and waters the earth knowing they will never get to smell the flowers. That's Malcolm, dear brother Malcolm. That's Fannie Lou Hamer. That's Martin King. That's Benjamin Elijah Mays. Huh? Those are the great souls. They knew they would never smell the fragrance, but they believed that one day we would. Let's take a break. We'll be right back with more headlines and some best things that I've seen all week right after this. Welcome back, everybody. So I love, I love, I love, I love stories. I love stories about people who get to do extraordinary things, and I love to see people win. It's one of my little things. I, 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 I hate seeing people lose. I love to see people win. And Katya Exazareta, I think I said that name right. I've been practicing. She is a story of somebody who really got to win recently. Now check this out. Katya was born in Mexico, and she came to the United States where she, when she was seven years old, okay? Eventually she grew up and started working at McDonald's to support uh, a family and she studied electrical engineering at UCLA and she worked four jobs while she was studying UCLA to put herself through school. You should already be impressed with Katya. I'm just saying. 
you should already be impressed with her. But it gets better. But now at the age of 26, this blessed sister, this blessed brown sister, will become the first Mexican-American woman to go into space. Isn't that amazing? And I called her Mexican-American because I think she's American, but I, I just technically she's Mexican. She's the first Mexican to go into space, female, to go into space. You don't seem impressed enough, okay? Shout out to her and her amazing story of how this woman, you know, because uh, listen, we, we've had we've had white people go to space, we've had black people go to space, we've had brown, we, we've had we've had brown men go to space, we've had Asians go to space, but we've never had a Mexican woman leave the earth until Katya. She will be the first Mexican woman to break the surely bounds of earth for a chance to touch the face of God. And yeah, I was a little hyperbolic right there, but you get it. I, I'm, I'm trying to get you into this. This is amazing. Shout out to her and her family, okay? Because, you know, it's about to change. We're about to have a Mexican woman in space. And, and, he, and here's, here's the thing, here's the thing. Because, you know, sometimes, sometimes we miss the blessing because we, we we're not picking up on what the preacher's laying down. So let me, let me help you out right now. I'm excited about this because at no point did Katya, when she was flipping burgers at McDonald's, did she ever think that she would end up in space? When she was handing people their french fries and they were telling her that they needed more ketchup, did she ever think that she was going to end up in space? When she was putting the cup under the Diet Coke dispenser and was, you know, pulling the ice, you want ice or no ice? You follow what I'm saying? When she was on those four jobs trying to work her way through UCLA, did she ever think that she would have the opportunity to burst the bounds of Earth, to leave the planet, and to look down from that which is above the sky? Are, are you getting the significance now? Because please understand that you can be in a mundane situation doing mundane things, but it doesn't matter that being mundane is going to be your truth for the rest of your life. And just because you're doing something you don't like doesn't mean you're going to be doing something you don't like for the rest of your life. And I got proof. You know, I, I, you want my proof? Katya. Working four jobs and at McDonald's. And she's going to be the first Mexican woman to go to space. While you sitting on the couch. She's going to be in space. <laughs> it just goes to show you, beloved, never underestimate the power of where you are because of how you feel about being there. You may not like what you're doing. You may not enjoy what you have to put up with. You may not be celebrating. It doesn't matter. Just because you have a bad day doesn't mean you don't have a great destiny ahead of you. You know how I know? Because Katya was flipping burgers. Now she's going to space. How you like them apples, people? Because great things are happening. People are being blessed. I'm excited about her. I wish her well. And for all Mexicans in America, Mexicans in Mexico, please be proud of your sister as she establishes your greatness on places well beyond the earth. All right. Let's do some best things that I've seen all week, people. <laughs> So let's take a look at this video, this video of a bride who decided to do something a little different at her wedding instead of throwing traditional bouquet and the bouquet toss. Let's take a look at this. They asked me that I wanted to do a bouquet toss. And I was like, I have a couple of people I would just like to give my bouquet to, but I got too many freaking single friends. <laughs> So I asked him to break apart my bouquet oh. so that I can make sure I present it to each, every one of oh you. Now, this journey was difficult. I'm 42. And so most of you have been on my couch. We've been on phone calls. We don't cry. We don't pray. We don't fasting. We don't got prayer calls. And I think it's only right and fitting that my two bridesmaids, I mean, from my major honor, my bridesmaids, which operate maid of honor, Actually, walk behind me as I give you guys your flowers today. My hope and my joy is that your weight will not be in vain. And my joy is that God is going to bless you with a suitable mate that's right for you. 
because as I have prayed and you have prayed for me and now is my time, I don't ever want to forget about the time when I was crying and, and single. And a lot of people get married and forget about their single friends, but I tell you I would not forget about each and every one of them. Wasn't that great? That's one of the best things we've seen all week around here. And, 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 you, and you saw why, right? So many brides, so many people when they get married, brides and grooms, it's all about them, all about their day. My day, my day, my day. Me, 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 me. But this bride was able to consider the hearts and the journeys of the other people in her life. And she wanted them to have a moment with her where opportunity and hope can flourish and be born in them in the middle of her moment. For those of you know, for those of us, those of us who are single, those of us who are still on the journey trying to find someone or be happy with the one that we have, you need people like her in your life who say to you, look at me, because if I can do it, you can do it too. Thank God for people who are not narcissistic and selfish and so concupiscent and eye-minded and self-invested and absorbed that they don't realize and can, can't see the suffering and the hurt and the longing and the despair in the people around them. Because you do know someone can be clapping for you and sad the whole time. We honor this sister, we honor her wedding, and we honor the willingness to give flowers, to share the joy, people. You know what I'm saying? So from now on, when you get a bouquet, give a couple of those flowers to some people who don't, who've never had the privilege, at least recently, to say, or to smell, or to enjoy what you are enjoying right now. Let's take a break. We'll be right back right after this with more headlines, more best things. So welcome back, everybody. I, I found this story about... Um, a man and his dealings with American Airlines. So there's a man, there's an Arizona man who was suing American Airlines, claiming that the airline uh, practiced negligence, uh, allegedly, against him uh, and made him spend 17 days in jail after he was misidentified to the police who were investigating a burglary in the duty-free shop in the airport in Dallas. That's why I stay out of duty-free shops, by the way. Anyway. So in a 26-page lawsuit, Michael Lowe uh, is alleging that uh, he was on the same flight with the suspect who actually did the robbery, uh, and the robbery was captured on video, but instead of the airline doing their due diligence and following their procedures, he alleges that the airline departed from those uh, procedures and policies and identified Mr. Lowe as the suspect, and consequently, he had to spend 17 days in jail. Now, of course, this is not one of the best things that I've seen all week because I don't think, it, you know, somebody being put in jail for 17 days for something that they didn't do could not possibly be one of the best things that I've seen all week. But here's the part of it that I do like and why I thought it was important that this story, you know, come to surface between us. And that is this. It shows us that, you know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who falsely accuses you or who tries to pin you up against the wall. You got to stand up for yourself. What I, what I like about Michael Lowe is that he didn't take this sitting down. He, went, you went, you ain't, he decided you ain't going to put me in jail for 17 days and then walk away with a, with a sorry and that's it. No. What I like about Mr. Michael Lowe is that he decided you're going to feel some pain for hurting me. I'm not the only one that's going to be hurt. I was in jail for 17 days and now you financially is going to feel some pain because he's allegedly he's suing, he's, he's suing American Airlines. And I like people who stand up for themselves, who don't let people walk over them. Come on, beloved. I give people advice, advice on this show every single time that I'm on. And now I'm going to give you some. We're going to act like this is the interview part of the show and I'm talking to you. Don't let people walk all over you. Don't let people treat you any kind of way and get away with it. They say anything they want, treat you any kind of way, give you any kind of amount of time. They don't answer. They don't reply. And you taking it? You allowing people to do this to you? Oh, no. No, 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 no. You got to stand up for yourself. You got to stand up for yourself and you got to fight for your own dignity because the more you refuse to stand up for you, the more you give people license to run all over you. Huh? I'm trying to tell you to your face, open your mouth. Don't let people accuse you of things or back you in the corners or treat you all kind of way, any kind of way and you go quietly into the night like it's okay. No, it's not okay. Open your mouth, the same way Michael Lowe did with American Airlines. You open your mouth to the people who are in your life disrespecting you or not giving you the respect or the decency or even the celebration or the affirmation that you deserve. Open your mouth because nobody is going to protect you, celebrate you, or stand up for you better than you. 
And when people don't see you doing that for yourself, they implicitly begin to understand that you don't require it or expect it from them. And thus begins the crazy. Because the moment somebody gets the message that it's okay to treat you in any kind of way, and they got the message from you, oh, they double down on it. They double down on it. But I like people who stand up, you know, stand up for themselves. Because listen, the days of just taking things is over. The days of just sort of suffering and silence are over. You are not going to find a generation of people anymore who's just willing to take it. No, 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 no. If you feel like you're being accused of something or disrespected with respect to something, then you have a moral obligation to do something about it. Say something. Complain. Because the world owes you. The world owes you better treatment. And if you don't think the world owes it, then certainly you owe it to yourself to make sure that the people in your life and in your space treat you better. You see, more than the money... This man, Michael Lowe, more than the money, what he's going to get out of this lawsuit and out of this experience is he's going to forever be able to look at himself in the mirror, in a full length mirror, and be proud of the fact that he didn't take it and he didn't lay down. So whether he gets a million dollars or a dollar, what he's going to get more valuable than that is self-respect. Yeah. All right. Let's do some more best things. Can we play the bumper? What we think? <laughs> Okay, this really is one of the best things that I've seen all week, all right? I love this story. I really like this story, okay? Check this out. Yolanda Verona was deported to Mexico in 2011. After living in the United States for 18 years, uh, she was deported out of the country. But just the other day, she was finally able to hug her daughter for the first time in more than a decade. Now, check this out. For years, Yolanda was an advocate for people who were deported, uh, and, and she advocated that they be uni- reunited with their families. And so even after she herself was deported, she still advocated that families be reunited with one another. She advocated that and the people that are still remaining on one side of the border or the other, you should put these families back together. So even after she was deported, she fought for other families to be reunited. When she could not get back to her family, she wanted other people to get back to theirs. And what I love about this story is that just the other day, as I do my happy dance, she got her blessing. (laughs) I love this. She got her blessing, man. She got to reunite with her family. She was able to come back to the United States under a program called the Humanitarian Parole Program, which is a parole uh, program that allows um, non-citizen military service members and their qualifying family members to petition to be, a, to be back reunited in the country. And she, I guess she met whatever the requirements were, and now she is back with her family. She's able to hug her daughter, be in the presence of the people that she loved. And I, listen, I, you know, I, I'm, not a, I, I'm not an immigration specialist. I don't claim to have a high aptitude in the area, but, but, I, I, but I do have common sense. And here's what I don't understand about the immigration debate. If somebody's been in this country for 18 years and they committed no laws and committed no crimes, rather, and broke no laws, and they've contributed to the society, and they've had a family and raised a family, and they're good people, why are we sending them back somewhere else? If you've been here 18 years and broken no laws, committed no crimes, and you added to, to the country, why would we send you back to another country? I just don't get that. I'm not an immigration specialist. I don't have high aptitude in the area. But again, I do have common sense. Okay? And there's got to be a better way to deal with this. If you've been in this country 18, 20, 25, 30, 35 years, you're an American. This is your home. And you ain't broken no laws. You ain't hurt nobody. You're just doing what? you paying taxes. You're paying sales tax. That's a tax, beloved. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I don't, I don't get it. I just don't get it. I, what, here's, here's, here's what I really don't get. Europeans stole this continent and this country, but they got to stay. What was the immigration status of the people on the Mayflower? Or the Nina, the Pinta, or the Santa Maria? You know what I'm saying? So Europeans can come to this country and, and, and completely take a, con- a continent and a country, and they, and they never have to show their papers, but, but people, like, people like, you know, Yolanda has to go back to where she comes from. 
Listen, if it's wrong, if it's wrong for Yolanda, it's wrong for the people on the Mayflower. I'm glad she's back. I'm glad she's back with her family. And putting families back together and keeping families back together is always one of the best things I see all week. We're right back with some Ask Dr. Sean right after this. So listen, I got one more video to show you, just one more, because I just thought, you know, let's get the people one more time. Check this video out. Grandma just got pulled over. A police, a police officer. officer. I was going too fast, but I told him that my grandma fell and broke her leg. I don't know. Now he's following me. He's going to follow me inside. Can you just lay down and act like you broke your leg? Okay. Grandma, where are you at? Where? What are you doing? What are you doing? There's no police officer. I was kidding. Yes. But why? You got his grandmother getting on the floor like ah, it's gonna take her forever to give up. That, that's a, that's love, right? You know your grandmama love you, but she'll lay on the floor and and be in a conspiracy with you to to to, to, to lie to the police. <laughs> I loved that was a great video. She was she was totally in the character. She was about to moan and start complaining and everything. Shout out to all the grandmothers in the world who love their grandbabies that much. You know what I'm saying? Love is a wonderful thing, people. It'll make you do strange things and. Listen, you know, it's grandma's love. All right, let's do some Ask Dr. Sean. You guys send me great videos. We're not going to do no bumper for this. We're going to go right to the video because I think this might be a good one. Play the video, Hailey. Hey, Dr. Sean, my name is Lenina, and I have a question for you. What is the best advice you've ever received? The best advice that I've ever received? Now, nobody ever asked me that, by the way. I give advice, but few people have ever asked me what's the best advice I've ever received. I think the best advice that someone has given me uh, was to me was for me rather to uh, to learn how to accept and be myself. And I think that for me was the best advice was not to mimic or model myself after other people's because at a certain stage you do mimic and model yourself after people. That's kind of that's how you, you you test and try out what's inside of you. But at a certain point you have to reconcile who you are to who you are, and to be okay with it. I had to be okay with the fact that I wasn't 6'4", you know, with washboard abs, you know what I'm saying? I had to be okay with that. I had to be okay that I didn't go to the NBA. I had to be okay with my journey as it is. And I had to learn how to celebrate my journey for what it is and to find the joy and the wisdom and the amazing aspects of it. So I'm not 6'4", and I'm not tall, dark, and handsome, and I don't have $10 billion. None of, none of that's true for me. But I have met Nelson Mandela, and I have traveled to London and to Brussels and Paris and South Africa and Nigeria and Ghana. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I, I, I may not I may not be, you know, I may not be uh, uber famous and I walk into stores and people know who I am. But I have been in the council in the presence of presidents. I, I have I have been in the presence of great people. I ghost written for presidents of the country. <laughs> I won't tell you which one though. I'm just saying, you get the point I'm trying to make? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not virtue signaling. I'm not, and I'm not like, I'm just showing you that, that you could not be something, but still have things about you that you can celebrate. And that was the best advice that I'd, I'd ever received. Learn how to be okay with who you are and take delight and joy in what you bring to the table and let that be enough for you. And that really liberated me from comparing myself to other people. I don't compare myself to you. I don't compare my show or my talent or my anything to anybody else. Every show, everything that I, I'm trying to do the best that I can do on that day. And when that's what my, my focus is, I tend to do better. I tend to have be less uh, anxious and less fearful and less complaining and less negative, right? And it's easy for joy to find me. It's easy for joy to find me because I'm already looking for it. I'm not, I'm not climbing over contempt or resentment or jealousy in search of happiness. That's the best advice I've ever received. All right, let's do, let's do someone DM me this. Uh, in, in, I am in my 40s, and I've never been in a serious relationship. 
I'm a Christian woman and I'm waiting until I'm married to have sex. I was always taught that a man should find me, but that has yet to happen. And I don't know how to date or look for a man. How, I, I feel stuck rather, what should I do? All right, I got, I got a few minutes to answer this question and I got some great answers for you. Okay, you ready? Number one, you should stop doing exactly what you're doing right now. Because what you're doing may not be wrong, but it ain't working for you. Okay? If you're in your 40s and you, don't have, you don't, can't find a man, don't know how to date a man, don't know how, then whatever you're doing ain't working. So we gonna, we gonna, the number one thing you should do is to stop doing what you're doing. Okay? Here's the second thing you should do. You ready for this? this, this you ain't going to like this one, though. You should, I know all your friends are saved and sanctified because y'all in the church. You don't love Jesus. Find you some friends who ain't saved. Some friends who know how to get a man. <laughs> some friends who know how to talk, a man, talk to a man. Some friends who know how to keep a man. And let them coach you through all the things that you don't know. As a man, I can't tell, I, listen, I can't give you insight on, on how, what a woman should do to get a man. I, I, oh, oh, no, okay? You're, you, another woman can coach you through this. A woman who knows what it takes to do that. So I would say stop doing what you're doing. And I would say enlarge your circle with some women who ain't caught up in church like you. All right? I'm not saying they got to be Jezebels, but you know. <laughs> you know, they got to they gotta at least have a sense of the world. Listen, everybody, I always enjoy these times that we have to do these end of the week shows. Thank you for tuning in tonight. It's an absolute pleasure. All the great things that we covered, all the great stories that we are able to see tonight all focus us on one true thing that life is finding a way to get better every single day and I hope that's true for you because I know it's true for me and if in the dark you should lose your way beloved find your way home on the shores of my prayers for you I want you to have an amazing rest of the night amazing rest of the day be amazing people y'all be good to each other okay